This podcast is brought to you courtesy of Renault, the world's most exclusive sunglasses. It's now available at renault.co.uk and at select boutiques around the globe. You are listening to the Official Concept Podcast. Enjoy listening to Alan. Today on the show, we're interviewing Adam MacArthur. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Fantastic. How you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm going really well. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you very much for being a guest on the show. I am a massive fan of anime as well um, as in the world of luxury. So, yeah, just thank you very much. <laughs> of course, of course. That's awesome. <laughs> so the first question I'd like to ask you is, can you share a bit about your journey into the world of voice acting and how you landed your first major role in Star versus the Forces of Evil? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I basically wanted to be a voice actor ever since I was a kid. Um, I just have always loved cartoons and kind of begged my parents to get me an agent from a really <laughs> early age. I don't, I don't even know how I knew that that what I needed, but somehow I did. Um, and, uh, yeah, my first paid professional gig was when I was 16 years old and then fast forward, gosh, like 10, 12 years. Um, and I had worked, you know, here and there. I mean, I worked regularly. I'd made a living as an actor, but I did a lot of on-camera commercials and voiceover wasn't necessarily like the main thing that I was um, doing to, to make a living until uh, 2011, I believe, is when I first booked actually Star Wars Clone Wars back when it was on Cartoon Network. And that kind of kicked off like the booking of bigger jobs. And then October of 2013, um, I booked the lead on the Disney show Star versus the Forces of Evil. So um, it was definitely not a fast journey, um, as many aren't. Um, it always seems like it may be from the outside, but I've been doing this for 25 years now. And it's it's taken, you know, it took a good 10 years before I was working regularly in voiceover. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, though. So when you were younger mm -hmm. and you were you know, creating these characters with voice acting, what was like, do you remember what you were thinking of? Because I remember when I was a kid and I was like, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little bit like weird. I used to have um, like, fr like friends in my mind that would be different characters. And I actually kind of forgot, like it didn't, like, I didn't lose it, but I forgot my voice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So did you have anything like that? Yeah. I mean, um, when I was growing up, Jim Carrey was a huge inspiration. Um, and I used to sneak and watch shows like in living color and even Saturday night live back then. And I would just see these like crazy characters and people acting all crazy and goofy and stuff like that. And, uh, that's just what I did regularly. So, I mean, I was the entertainer of the family. So whenever, you know, my family was sitting around the living room, I was the one dancing or <laughs> doing goofy impressions and stuff like that. But I definitely think Jim Carrey was a huge inspiration. Um, I loved all of his early stuff. I mean, I still, uh, his later stuff too, but when I was a kid specifically, um, you know, Dumb and Dumber, The Mask was a huge inspiration, which, you know, uh, the, the character of The Mask takes inspiration from cartoons and stuff or some of his craziness. So yeah, it was always, it was always that. And then also, I'm not an impressionist. Like I'm not, I don't do a lot of impressions, mm. um, but imitation. I do, I do do a lot of imitation. So, you know, patterns and things like that, um, that I feel like everyone's got an impression of their parents. And uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so that was, you know, an, another, another way of sort of just like that imitation kind of helping build characters. But yeah, I would say early inspiration was definitely Jim Carrey. Your role as Yuji Itadori in Jujutsu Kaisen has garnered significant acclaim. What drew you to this character and how did you approach voice him? him? Um, I mean, he's an amazing character. 
Uh, <laughs> Yuji is such a good boy. Uh, he's a, got golden retriever energy. <laughs> he is, you know, he wants to do right by people. He's not a selfish uh, main character, which I really appreciate. And um, as far as the approach, uh, I, I really wanted to think once we got settled into the tone of Jujutsu Kaisen and the tone of the character, um, I wanted to make Yuji, especially in season one, um, kind of naive and happy. Uh, like I said, kind of golden retriever is the perfect explanation. Um, so that when we moved into season two and stuff got a little bit more serious, we could kind of take that and give it a little bit more of a grounded performance and approach. Um, so, you know, if you check out season two, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of trauma that Yuji goes through. And I think the, the idea I had in mind behind all that was, uh, just making it as sound as real as possible, making it feel uh, pretty raw emotionally for the audience. So. In your theater experience, both in high school, college, and comedy sports, how has that background contributed to your skills in voice acting? Oh, man. Um, well, honestly, uh, anything you do, whether it's acting classes or just living out your passion or a job, it all contributes to the life of an actor. Um, I think a lot of people kind of forget that you have to live a normal life like our our life experiences are what we bring to the table and make us unique when we are performing so um you know theater was amazing training um you do a lot of stuff that you don't do in voiceover memorizing lines and performing for the back of the house uh things like that so all of those experiences definitely contributed and helped um you know get me to where i'm at right now uh comedy sports is a is an improv place and doing improv is fantastic for building and finding new characters for getting yourself out of your shell and not being timid when you're in the booth you know sometimes you walk into a, a job and you're the only one in the booth um so you're alone there are a bunch of executives on the other side of the show uh, uh, uh glass and it can be very intimidating but if you mm. pr practice sort of I don't know, being uncomfortable all the time, then those situations aren't really uncomfortable. Um, and then subsequently, your nerves don't get in the way. And then subsequently, you're able to give a good performance, which subsequently gets you more work. So um, all the experience and training can help in many different kinds of ways. So it's, uh, you know, people always ask me, like, what's your advice to get started? And I always say, it doesn't matter if you want to take a voiceover class or whatever, get in some kind of acting class, learn to become mm. a good actor. And um, yeah, you'll be, you'll be on your way. That's one of the funny things is it doesn't matter how much people educate themselves when they're under pressure. That's it. <laughs> you yeah. know? It's like, yeah. sometimes, like sometimes people could study either music or, you know, some form of creativity, but really and truthfully, it's like, it is just kind of that black and white coldness where you are in the room with executives and they either like it or they don't be so much pressure for a lot of people but how, how do you uh naturally put yourself in pressure if you're doing it constantly um i well because of martial arts i'm just used to it um i think martial arts is the ultimate equalizer for uh humility <laughs> and um you, you know you're constantly humbled there's always somebody better than you there's always something to work for there's always something to improve i mean if you are just used to that um and in a way used to pain I know that sounds kind of I don't know, weird, but if you're used to that, then everything else is just not that hard. I mean, it's not that it's not hard, but it's just you realize that it being hard is part of it. So it doesn't scare you off, you know, um, 
I think it's important to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And um, I've just gotten really good at that over the years. In your martial arts journey, reaching the levels of old ground grand champion in the UC Berkeley Chinese martial arts tournament is impressive. How has martial arts shaped your mindset and discipline in your career? It's martial arts has had a huge impact on me. It's prepared me to have perseverance. You know, I wasn't always um, competing at a high level and winning. I was, I've lost more tournaments than I've won. I've, you know, had more, I've tapped out more than I've submitted. Uh, I mean, over the years, I've fallen and been thrown and had to get back up. And it's basically <laughs> a microcosm of what it takes to be successful in entertainment. And to be honest, it's what it takes to be successful in anything. If you think, if you really think about it, to be good or to be high level or to be the top in an industry is hard in any industry. You've got to yes. like put in your time and do the grunt work and all of that stuff. Um, you can't just expect to like walk in and be the man on top. Like it's just not going to happen. So martial arts has definitely prepared me uh, really well for, for this life. Um, when I moved to Los Angeles in 2003, before I left, my uh, mentor in martial arts said to me, somebody has to book those jobs. It might as well be you. And that also always stuck with me. Like I'm not walking into something that, you know, is unproven territory. I'm not, I'm not paving a new path. I'm simply walking down and choosing to do something that many people before me have come and done also. And, uh, you know, when stuff is difficult, I just remind myself of that. Like, hey, other people have to do this. Someone, they, they have a job listing. It, there is an audition yeah. for this role. They need <laughs> yeah. somebody. They are looking for someone. There is no reason that it can't be me, that I can't be the one chosen. So, you know, I've always also had the mindset of like, I will just outlast everyone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, so if, if, you know, it gets hard, what someone else might seem hard and it might want to, you know, make them stop or change career paths. And there's no judgment there for me at all. That's totally fine. It happens. We all change our minds and all that stuff all the time, but I'm not going to change my mind. And as those people come and go, I'll still be here. And at some point, someone will notice and then I'll have my opportunity. That's just how my mindset's always. I cannot agree with you anymore. Um, that is pretty much the, the exact same way that I live my life. Because uh, when I was younger, I, you know, I didn't really grow up um, that wealthy. I came from a very poor family. And I believe that when I was a kid, that other people who were successful when was not me had mm -hmm. nothing to do with me or anything like just because you know i was dealing with alcoholics and drug addicts and people who weren't really you know everything's always a problem mm -hmm. and there was no real encouragement for success it was frowned upon and uh yeah and then as soon as i you know became independent i started to realize that life is very much a euphoric fantasy and there is no real descript like there's no real pathway in life and you know hypothetically let's say if we want to go to somewhere beautiful the only thing we need to do is dress up well doesn't even have to be expensive clothing and look nice and yeah. be nice yep. and then you're accepted it's just it's not like they give you the cold shoulder and it's the exact same thing with business if you're trustworthy and if you put in the discipline and hard work eventually things are going to go well <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. No. And, and you know and it's like same thing with fitness it's like you know it's like right now i'm really fit but when i first started out like i'm six foot six and i weighed 80 kilos which was incredibly thin and you know and it's just like now i'm really fit but it's been years of discipline and hard work nothing it's like you know one of the one of the funny things of this whole process is that 
when I reach my goal of fitness, I'm still going. When I reach my goal of business, I'm still going to keep on going. There is no, like, there's a goal to reach, but that's yeah. not the equalizer. That's not the finishing touches of it. Right. So, yeah. Like, um, what, but what is with you? What would be your major fantasy goal as an, as right now in the future? Like, what would you, like, when you close your eyes, what do you fantasize about? Hmm. You know, I've always been a very goal-oriented person. And as I've gotten a little bit older, I, uh, not that I've, like, like, I don't pursue things as hard, but I think it's shifted for me a bit. And, uh, you know, I might have said before, like, oh, I want to be the lead, lead in a Disney series or I want to do anime or something like that, you know, and I'm, I'm doing those things. And um, I think it's shifted for me. I think I would just love to continue to work with people that I really like so that I'm, mm. so that I'm doing the stuff that I already know that I love with friends, um, with people I can call friends, friends, and, you know, we can create some really cool stuff together. Um, of course I have like, you know, the, I guess the, the legacy characters that I think would be really fun to voice. I would love to be a Ninja Turtle at some point. I think that would be so fun. Um, I think it would be really fun to do like a Looney Tunes, some, some, a character that someone has voiced, someone else has voiced, you know, like, um, you know, or many other people have voiced uh, Daffy Duck or Michelangelo or something like that. Would be I think it would be an awesome Michelangelo. Like, thanks, thanks man. That would be when I, was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's, that's the, that's the funny thing about all this, you know, being in the creative world. It's like, it, it does take a lot of hard work and discipline, but at the end of the day, it is about fun. It's like, you know, when you're in that room, you know, in the Disney studio doing the lines, the more fun that you have, the better the results are. Yeah, totally. Know? Yeah. And so when you're, when you're at this level, like, so when you've reached this level, looking back, you know, when, when you were younger, you were like, man, this would be such a euphoric dream. This is like, oh my God, that'd be so, like huge. And now that you're in it and it's like you're doing it on the daily and you're looking around, are you like, oh, this is, this is still a really big deal. and I'm having a great time doing it. But now that the real life part is set in, how does that feel for you? Is there any like stress involved or is there any pressure or is it just kind of like just educating yourself and just keeping on going? Yeah, I mean, there's moments of stress and pressure, but uh, but ultimately I approach all of this with a with a heart of gratitude. I am so lucky to be doing what I'm doing and uh, the charm does not wear off. It's still so cool. I think about, um, you know, when I was younger, wanting to wanting to do this and all that stuff. So I don't take it for granted and there there have been moments where maybe i have like started to and i always try and check myself just because it's it's silly to not be grateful for this um people i travel a lot for conventions and people ask me all the time like oh do you get tired traveling so much is it hard meeting people and talking to people all the time and i just think to myself what a freaking lame dude would I be if I was like, yeah, man, it's really hard uh, going to places where people are excited to see me and talking to them. Like, that would be such a lame answer. Uh, so, yeah. no, I'm not <laughs> tired. Like... Yeah, I'm not tired by it. I'm not exhausted by it. I'm energized by it. I'm thankful for it. I'll continue to do it until um, either people don't care anymore <laughs> or, or, you know, like something, you know, my life situation changes and I don't know, kids come along or something like that. Um, but no, until then I am thankful for every single person who comes to see me. I'm thankful for every opportunity that I get and, uh, it will never get old. A lot, of, oftentimes it feels like it's happening to my best friend. And then every once in a while I'll be like, Oh wait, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> like, so. that, 
I'm not gonna lie. That, I think that would be actually a pretty funny um anime. Like, yeah. if it would it be if it would it be artistically created like um Mob Psycho? Yeah, uh, and it's just like <laughs> it's like just another day in the office, and then everyone's like lining up to see him. Yeah, like, please. Yeah, yeah. It definitely <laughs> would like, be like yeah. It would be very um One Punch Man Mob Psycho yeah, yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man. To all the people who wish to become voice actors, what advice can you give them? And what are the positives and negatives of this journey? Um, I would say if, uh, just to boil it down, two things for, for tips for VO. Um, get in an acting class, so do yourself a favor and learn how to act. And then second piece of advice is go to the website, IWantToBeAVoiceActor.com. Go to IWantToBeAVoiceActor.com, read everything that's on there. It was created by D. Bradley Baker, who's obviously a legend in voiceover. Um, that website has all the information, no matter if you're in a hub city, you know, where a lot of stuff is happening, whether you're remote. Um, what part of your career do you need an agent? What time do you need to do this? Do you need to do that? There's a bunch of information on there. And then um, as far as like, what are the positives and negatives? Everything is amazing. <laughs> everything is positive no it's a uh, it's like anything just prepare yourself it's like anything um that you want to be good at like i said you need to plan ahead to not get paid for stuff at the beginning um and i don't just mean like i don't mean working for free but i just mean you probably won't be working right away um you'll be building up your uh, skill set you'll be building up your networking um you know who you know and all that stuff so be patient with yourself uh get a side job get another job to do while you're pursuing voiceover um i always say there's no shame in doing what you have to do in order to do what you love to do but you got to pay bills and you got to pay rent so make sure you can do that and that way that stuff doesn't hinder your vo journey for me i had a moment in my life where i realized that i had listened to everybody tell me that it was a good thing to be a starving artist and like dedicate your whole life to acting and one day i realized that that was stupid <laughs> and that you don't have to be a starving artist like why mm. um sure you can choose to be that but like why can't you create a business uh get a second job something that allows you to have food on the table go to the movies when you want um pay your car bill and your mortgage and also pursue voiceover like you can you can have it all so um yeah there's no shame in doing what you have to do in order to do what you love to do so just set yourself up for success and remember to continue to live your life outside of entertainment um, try not to glamorize it and you'll be okay do you remember your side job uh so <laughs> i've been fortunate uh i have had very few although in 2011 i uh, when I had this sort of epiphany about being a, not being a starving artist, um, at that time I was on unemployment, uh, unemployment insurance because I had worked a couple of acting gigs that had stopped. So it's very common in LA when you like book a shoot or book a day work, then afterwards you file unemployment because you're not employed anymore and you can get a little bit of help for like a month or two. And uh, I was getting about $400 a week on unemployment during that time. And I woke up one day and realized that that was holding me back thought that um you know because you can't book work like if you if you're getting four hundred dollars from the government here uh for unemployment you cannot work that week otherwise they won't give you money that week mm. so i would have to make more than four hundred dollars a week in order to make it worth it so it was incentivizing me to not work and yeah. Yeah. i woke up one day and was like sure i could keep doing it like this but this is not helping me 
this is this is holding me back and i am more resourceful than this i remember the words of my martial arts teacher uh, i remember all my training and i trusted in myself to be resourceful and i know i'm resourceful so um i literally had an epiphany and on the same day i went home and canceled unemployment so that it wasn't coming anymore and that made me uh very scared <laughs> yeah. uh i had a friend who was a wedding photographer at the time and uh I basically asked him if I could start a photo booth company for him. That oh, he would book. Yeah. yeah. So um, I started a company that I actually still have today. Um, someone else is running it for me now. And there's four employees that work all the events. Um, I'm more in it as an advisor, but I have a company called the Booth and Bus Co., like the Booth and Bus Company here in Los Angeles. And we do photo booth events. And pre-COVID, we were doing about 250 events a year. And now we're getting back up to the, we're getting back to that about 200 225 events a year um so yeah i've always like for the last 13 years had that to kind of supplement things when things were slow although i do say that um my voiceover career exploded in 2012 which is shortly after i started that company <laughs> so, so i pretty much had two full-time jobs for you know the last 13 years but um it's made it possible to do a lot of amazing things and also audition without pressure you know, I'm not worried about getting the jobs, um, which I think can help you do better work. So I do professional photography and videography and cinematography. Mm -hmm. um, and so as my side job, that's what I would do. And that was actually one of the main pivots on how I was able to interact with so many celebrities. And and then I created all this from it as well. Um, and then uh, I also do. I'm a. Have you, do you know Reiki? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, the like the most. Sorry if this is like a not totally what it is but like the massage like the energetic massage kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That. So, um so i do i'm a reiki master but i'm also um, a therapist as well so i can like put people in hypnosis and, oh, cool. and yeah do all that type of jazz so it's been going really well that's awesome. having a great time yeah. yeah that's awesome with such a diverse homology spanning live action animation and anime do you have a favorite medium or type of role to work on um not really honestly whatever's fun um, and I think all of it's fun. So it just depends on the project and what it is. I mean, I'm having a lot of fun working on Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, but yeah, no, I find it all very enjoyable. Honestly, whichever one I'm currently employed in is my favorite. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Executives, you've heard it your first. Right? Yeah. <laughs> As an actor who has worked on projects for uh, different age groups, how do you adjust your approach when voicing characters from young audiences versus more mature themes i think that just has to do with kind of having an awareness of the genre that you're in so you know a show that's for preschoolers is just genre wise going to sound different than a show like jujitsu kaisen so just having an awareness of the different mediums and uh different genres within each medium uh, can help you know being a well-studied actor i think is important can you take us through your evolution as a voiceover artist and actor from early days to your current success yeah i mean i started in san francisco um, my first my first paid job was a macy's radio commercial macy's is a department store here um so just i mean i was green i was totally new i was just winging it and doing my best but again the more you stack up that experience uh it just you know leads you down the path to be able to do things that are more difficult. So this last season of JJK had some really heavy emotional stuff in it that I think a less experienced version of me, a less um, 
prepared actor, a less confident and comfortable person um, might not have been able to handle as well. So, you know, it's it's with anything The your first day on any job is going to be stressful because you're new. And then, you know, when you're 25 years in, things tend to level out a little bit and you can feel a little bit <laughs> more confident. So that's basically I'm in my, I'm in my confident era right now. Do you remember your first anime that you watched and, you know, fell in love with it? Oh, probably Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Mm, yeah, same Last here. That was actually my first too. Nice. Yeah, just so good. Um, great voice acting. That story is amazing. So yeah, that that one was very very cool. How did you um did did a friend show you it or did you just come across it? Oh, I had a friend show me. I had a friend. I was like I was like I don't should I watch anime? And she was like, Look, if you're gonna do it, do start with the best. So you can get a good intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. So that's that's what happened. I have just a, re a recommendation from a friend. Yeah. So um, I have I have a pretty uh, unique story. I think. Mm -hmm. Um. So this is probably about five years ago, and I never really uh, watched anime that mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like I, I heard about the conventions, and, and you know, and one of my friends, uh, he was heavily into anime. Like he had tattoos of um, like My Hero Academia characters and everything. And he, yeah, he, he loved it. And so on one of these events, um, I think it was, uh, it wasn't Comic-Con, it was um, uh, another expo. It was uh, Supernova. That's what it's called. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was that he invited me to it and he said, hey, I'll, I'll buy the ticket for you. Just come. We'll have a fun time. You'll be able to, you'll be able to go there and know what I'm talking about, you know, with all these nice experiences and all the people over there. And I was a little bit hesitant um, because I'm more into like sport and, you know, um, and like, you know, beach and, you know, outside stuff. And so I was a little bit he hesitant with it. And then I, um, you know, I was like, okay, I'll go. So, because uh, people love to, you know, do cosplay. So do you know Master Roshi? Yeah. Yeah. So I dressed up as him. Awesome. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like, I, I went to like, like, I'm bold now, but I had really long hair before. Yeah. And so I even got like a bold cap and everything. And so I went over there and I just like, the main thing that I fell in love with was just the fan, the people that were there. Yeah. And it just seemed like there has never been a more accepting community than, 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 than that place that I went to. Everyone over there was just having a great time. And, you know, it's like, it, it was just, it was just such a, a nice vibe. And that's one of the main reasons why I got into anime was because it's like, I just love the community. Yeah. And then um, I ended up, going on a date with one of the girls that i met over there um and then she said uh you know we can start with this anime and it was full metal alchemist um uh, brotherhood and and then i was just like what this is crazy like I, I never even um thought that the stories were going to be this in depth and then i watched uh death note after that and then i just started then i bought um i got crunchyroll and then i was been watching anime pretty much ever since <laughs> reflect on the satisfaction uh, satisfaction of having characters like Marco Diaz and Yuji Itadori immortalized as Funko collectibles, what does this mean to you? Oh, I mean, I'm a huge collector of lots of stuff. I got comic books, old vintage toys, art, some Funkos, um, cards, bunch of stuff. So uh, anything collectible and all that is like totally up my alley. I was, I, I still have all my toys from when I was a kid. I was the kid who didn't unbox things. I like displayed them because I wanted my room to look like a toy store. So, um, yeah, I think it's super cool having everything uh, kind of immortalized as collectibles. I have 
too much stuff and I need your <laughs> house because of it. <laughs> Share your insights in portraying Kifuya Matt Duno in Tokyo Revengers. How did you tackle voicing a character in an action-packed film? Ah, uh, well, Chifuya is, uh, he's an interesting character. He's, uh, I get typecast as the good voice. So Chifuyu is much like Yuji and much like Marco in that he's just a uh, very, very loyal friend. So, um, you know, with, with him specifically, he has a, a really tight relationship with one of the characters in the show as sort of a mentor person. Um, and then he goes through some loss with him and it changes him. And I think because of that, he wants to be a loyal friend to Takamichi, the main character. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, with any acting that I do, I try and relate it to my life and find where I can find see where I can draw parallels. And um, yeah, I just had to do the same thing with, uh, with Chief View. Recount your experience presenting at the 2023 Will Eisner Comic Industry Awards at San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, that was amazing. Um, yeah, I got to present several awards at the uh, Will Eisner Awards. And I um, was able to present with Maurice LaMarche, who's uh, a legend in the VO world. Brain from Pinky and the Brain. Um, and Futurama, I mean, is in, is in everything. Maurice is a is a legend. And so that was very cool. Um, it was also cool presenting an award to a group of people who are sort of industry adjacent to me. I mean, it's all comic book artists and writers and um, things like that. So, you know, it's not necessarily animation, but it's animation adjacent. So it was very cool to get a chance to hang out with those guys and to celebrate them for their achievements. And um, yeah, get to shake hands with some some really amazing people. I got to meet Stan Sakai, who is a creator of Usagi Ojimbo, the samurai rabbit who appeared in early Ninja Turtles and went on uh, or had his own comic line as well and still does. So that was a, a really fun experience. Do you have many Ninja Turtles uh, action figures? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, there, there's a whole I got a whole case full of stuff. I got <laughs> I have my original turtle van and my original four turtles that I played with when I was a kid. So I've got that on display. Really? Yeah, I've got some of the NECA uh, like from the first Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, Kind of like the live action looking <laughs> turtle figures. I have my original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action VHS on display on my shelf. So yeah, I got a lot of. Oh my! Lot of <laughs> so wait, I think that's your dream. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, I so the I actually got to work on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem movie. I did some additional voices in that as like TCRI soldiers and and some background characters. Uh, as a part of a loop group for that movie last August. So it was definitely was definitely a dream. It was very cool. Yeah. <clears throat> Returning as Juno Siajiku in Bungo Stray Dogs Season 5, how did you maintain the essence of a character across multiple seasons? Yeah, I think that just comes with the territory. Um, you get used to it. Um, and when you know your character, it helps. But also when you go in after there's been a season break, you can... I mean, this stuff is available. I could go watch it. But also when I get in there, I'm getting reference uh, from the director and stuff like that to make sure we're on the same page and maintaining consistency. So, yeah, Jono is uh, probably my spiciest character. He is feisty and uh, sarcastic and dry, but he is a, a whole lot of fun to play. As the official voice of Disney XD, how does it feel to be a significant part of such a renowned platform? Oh, it's amazing. Um yeah, I, I love my time 
and uh, I've loved that I've been able to be the voice of Disney XD for so many years now. Uh, it's just, you know, I think when, when I auditioned for that role, they, they said they wanted someone who sounded like everyone's big brother. And I've, that's sort of how I view that job. And even though, you know, I'm just telling people, uh, I'm doing promos for shows and, you know, letting people know when things are on and coming up next on Disney XD and all that stuff. Um, I think it's, I view it as everyone is my, I'm everyone's older brother, you know, Mm. (laughs) everyone's my younger sibling. So it's been a lot of fun to uh to do that job and to be honest with you there are so few jobs in voiceover that span the time that this has spanned it's been a true blessing just to have uh have it um be something that i do regularly share a standout fan interaction or memorable conversation experience you've had from your nationwide appearances um a standout fan experience um (laughs) well at this point there's been there's been a few that have stood out um just this last weekend, I was at a signing and somebody asked me to do a small drawing on a piece of paper, uh, which I obliged. And about an hour and a half later, I saw them in line again. And I was like, oh, maybe they forgot something or they decided to come back for, for you know, something else or whatever. And uh, when they got to the front of the line, they were like, look what I did. And they showed me their forearm and they had gone and gotten uh, the drawing that I gave them tattooed on their body. So that was, oh my gosh. yeah, along with my signature. So that was, that was, that was amazing. Um, and then probably one of my other highlights, I always talk about this one, but, um, a group of college kids came up as the entire, uh, JJK cast. So there's the entire Jujutsu Kaisen cast, um, the Kyoto school and the Tokyo school. And there's a character named Mechamaru, who's this robot guy. And they, I guess were one person short for somebody to dress up as Mechamaru. So they printed out a picture of Mechamaru and taped it <laughs> to their air fryer that they were carrying around. So they, they brought their air fryer and then they paid to have me sign it and take a picture with them holding the air fryer. So that was definitely one of my highlights, fan highlights. So I'm, I'm guessing that you haven't had any like tattoos of um the pitch of pictures of your face yet on people. No, please God, no, no one. Did that. No <laughs> That's one did gonna that. come. I mean, it's a good face. Like I'm thankful, <laughs> you know. But like also, like come, come on, guys, don't do that. <laughs> Just wait. Yeah. Just wait. Be long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gonna happen. Reflect on your experience working on the LeBrons and collaborating with LeBron James for the animated series. Oh man, that was uh that was a long time ago. But uh yeah, LeBron James decided to do a really cool animated series um where all the characters were based on different versions of his personality and different, you know, kind of roles that he has to take on as a person. So it was really cool getting to work on that show. There was a lot of amazing other voice talent on that series. So uh season one, they put a lot of effort in. There was a huge um <clears throat> premiere party mark cuban was there uh lebron was there it was really really cool and then uh season two and three we don't need to talk about they they decided to change the animation and it, let's just pretend those don't exist but <laughs> if you uh want to see fun little short form with a good lesson episodes of a show that lebron james had his hand in uh lebron's season one was pretty fun mm. So do you have a routine that you um, practice daily or how do you manage your time? Uh, every day is different for me. Um, mm. You know, I try, I'm always traveling to different places. My auditions are always different. My jobs are always different. I have, I have very little routine <clears throat> currently in my life. 
Um, although I do, I still do martial arts. So I train Muay Thai right now um, at an MMA school in Marina del Rey, California. And, uh, you know, I'm there probably three times a week or so. Um, and those classes are always at a set time. So if anyone's around and wants to come uh, get kicked and punched and also kick and punch me, um, you can come to Uprise MMA in Marina del Rey at the 10 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes. And I'll see you there. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna lie. If I keep my eyes, if I keep my eyes closed when you're like, if you're fighting me, can you just pretend that you're one of the Ninja Turtles and just like whoop my ass? Absolutely. Yeah. Beat <laughs> yeah. me up, man. Oh, Absolutely. Man. <laughs> I'll throw, I'll throw in a cowabunga for you here and there, also. <laughs> yeah. Where's the pizza? At? Give me a pizza slice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man. So um what are you looking forward to in the future and what would you like to say to your fans? Um I mean I'm honestly I'm looking forward to season 3 of JJK. That's going to be amazing. Um I'm looking forward to saying hi to everybody as I travel around this year. Um I'm going to be I f- I feel like I counted and I'm going to be in like like 36 different locations this year. So hopefully I'll get a chance to say hi to everybody and um yeah, I want to hear everyone's thoughts about season two. It was the, the season of trauma for all of us. I love it, man. But um, there was this funny part on uh, we could, um, season two on Jujutsu Kaisen when uh, Yuji was having like the mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. And then they, and they just start playing the theme song behind it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like... Like, everyone had an absolute mental breakdown. It was like, you are my special. Yeah, man. I think uh, I think that was, uh, I mean, just another moment of, inter- like, the way I interpreted that was just another moment of total disrespect by Sukuna. Essentially, like, those are his words to Yuji. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it was very, very off-putting. <laughs> well, um, I just want to say thank you very much, Adam, for being a guest on the show. You've been great. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. This was amazing.